So, um, yes, I'm Anita Trustee. I'm Gil's uh, better half, as he would say. (laughs) And I thank the Lord for that because uh, many times I get a chance to um, witness him speaking or doing some sort of study or being involved in something, you know, and I'll look across the room and he'll look across, either way. And it's so precious, it really is, you know, but what I like most of all is when someone comes to me and they'll say, oh my goodness, he's so, oh, he's so animated, is he like that at home? And I say, no, (laughs) he's not. (laughs) And, uh, you know, but the whole thing is there's a purpose, there's a reason. And I'm saying that to tell you that um, the Lord uses us the way he does, you know, and it's so precious, it really is. But during the time that he's doing things in our heart or in our life, um, we don't always have that smile on on our face, i.e. me. Um, And it's difficult. It really is difficult. But uh, I just hope that we can find that we are so, um, it's so important for us to go through this journey together. So um, I have the ability, well, I'm going to try. I'm a retired teacher, so bear with me. (laughs) Bear with me. But looking at chapter 1 and 2, chapter 1 was so powerful, so much, so much in there. And it's so hard to kind of unfold everything, you know, because you may have to go back to it. And I'm not going to insult you and try to read it all to you. That's not what we're going to do. Um, But I am going to touch on various things because it's so important, so, so important. So I'm going to just look at some things with uh, that. But before I go into those things, I'm going to give you a little background about me and who I am and what I've gone through. I have lived a life where um, rejection was my first feel. And I say it like that because my mother, she was a young mom, teenage mom, 17 years old, not married. And uh, there was no way that she was looking to raise a child. And uh, in in that, uh, she had an older sister. And in going to her sister, her whole thought was her sister can help her take care of this problem. Okay? And she thought that's what her sister would do. What her sister did was go and tell my grandmother And uh, my grandmother was very upset with her, and she was part of a church, and in that she was kind of exiled. You know, uh, some of us know how that goes. And what I became to her was her burden, you know, because even at that time, what would happen would be she and my father would get married. But she was 17, high school. He was 24, married with the child. So it made that very difficult, as you can see. Um, But because of that, that whole seed of rejection was almost something that steered my heart, so to speak. Um, And that's how I grew up, you know. And then growing up under that, there was a lot of abuse that took place. There were um, things that happened in my life that some things I don't even recall. And the biggest things that I do... I recall at five, you know, and, and think about a five-year-old kindergarten. They're precious, aren't they? And usually when a five-year-old thinks about something, that becomes part of their, um, their life. It becomes part of how they grow up, 
part of how they figure things out. And that's what I started to do. It became part of my life. And I saw myself more as a throwaway in some kind of way because I didn't understand. Uh, and I'm going to try to keep it all together. So I need you smiling. <laughs> okay. Thank you, ladies. Um, so I start there because it seems like so many things took place in my life. So when it came to, and I when it came to a time where I felt like things were settled, things were um, going in a direction that I felt like, okay, this is it. Okay, this is, I can grow from here. Um, I'm married, I have my four children, and the grandchildren, a child's married, but there was still so many struggles, so many things, so many different unanswered situations. Because uh, most of us as moms, we're the fixers, right? We take care of the boo-boos. We make sure the dinner's done. We make sure the clothes are washed. We make sure, we make sure, right? And I was making sure I was crossing or uh, checking off all those boxes. And what took place for me is April 17th, to be exact, 2019. I was in a car accident right there at the corner of the corner of Philmont and Byberry, okay? And it was in such a way, I was on the phone, not during the accident, but prior to making it down Philmont, I was on the phone with my husband and sharing with him the things about the kids. This is happening with this one, this is happening with this one, this is happening here, and this is happening with the grandchildren, this is happening with, and he said to me, Anita, we can't fix it. We can't, whatever is gonna happen is gonna happen. The Lord is in control. And I hung up from him and I said, Lord, you're in control. And as I got to the corner of Philmont and Byberry, just something took place in such a way that this accident happens. And in it happening, it took place where I totally blacked out. And then there's a gentleman on the passenger side that's banging on my window. And he's saying to me, just breathe. And all I could do was hold my chest. And I'm saying to him, it's so hard, I can't. I can't. And he kept saying, just breathe. And my window was cracked a little. And so he said, just stay with me. I said, okay. He said, I saw everything. This is what happened. I said, okay. And I said, well, can, can I get my phone? Now, I knew I put my phone back in my bag. I wasn't on the phone because the phone comes, you know, the sound comes right through the console. We know how that works, right? But I couldn't figure that out until I said, oh, let me call here. I need to call my husband. And he's like, yes, Anita, because he thought I was going to call about that same thing that I was talking about, right? <laughs> but it wasn't. I said, I was just in an accident. This man is here to help me. And then so in that, and it's so, it was just so weird because I'm talking to him. He's talking to me, but he's not talking to Gil. And I said, I'm going to call an ambulance, okay? And I, I pressed it. Well, I didn't have to press anything. All of a sudden, it comes through that we detect that you were in an accident. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I was. I was. Do you want an ambulance? And I said, yes, yes, I, I do. And then they asked me, well, where are you? I said, I don't know where I am because I really didn't know where I was. I couldn't figure it out. And the gentleman tells me, but it's not going through. So I just repeat, and they said, okay, we'll have an ambulance come. Okay? And that took place. And they came, and it was quick, 
and he let me know that he was going to go and talk to some people, and I'm like, okay. And uh, But with the police being there and the ambulance coming, because the police, of course, they, they have to be there, and they're saying to me, who are you talking to? And I said, it, the gentleman that just left, I'm talking to him. But before he left, I said to him, I said, what's your name? And he's like, why do you need to know my name? Which I thought was strange. Isn't that strange? Like, why can't he just tell me his name, you know? Um, and I said, I just want to tell my husband that you helped me. And then I said, he works right down the street. And he said, Calvary Chapel? I said, yes. You know, like, there's a lot of things down the street, right? You know, and I never said, well, and uh, he said, yeah, I, I know that church. I, I'm going to be there Sunday, <laughs> which I thought was funny. But um, in that, it, it happened in such a way that when the police came and they saw that I was talking to this person that just walked away, you know, they're getting my information and all those things, and they're getting me into the ambulance, and I go to the hospital. I'm thinking I'm going through the hospital emergency as everybody else. I actually went through the trauma unit. Um, and going through the trauma unit, they're quickly doing everything that they need to do. Okay, And of course, I kept saying and holding my chest and saying how I was having a hard time breathing that was hurting so much. Uh, come to find out, I had fractured my sternum and bruised my heart. And in the x-ray that they did, they saw in my lungs these uh, what they call granuloma that um, is indicative of uh, autoimmune disease called sarcoidosis. Okay? So that's where things were first kind of coined or diagnosed for me. And of course, going through uh, the healing of my heart, I had to see a cardiologist, I had to see a pulmonary specialist, and you know, and that's just the way it went until things seemed to get better, and they seemed like they got better in no time at all, to me, in no time at all. And that was back in April. But what happened for me, which is kind of crazy, um, November, and this was November 2020, and a week before that, I had gone to um, an event, the company that I work with, um, I was able to earn this trip to uh, Cancun, and I was enjoying every I was going to enjoy every bit of it. But the problem was, um, I had purchased all these little outfits, and I wasn't able to wear them, and I couldn't understand what was going on. <laughs> so I went to my doctor because I felt like um, something's happening. I'm having all this swelling in my legs, and you know, like something's just not right. You know, and she did all the vitals, everything checked out, everything seemed fine. Uh, and she ordered a number of tests and a particular scan because she thought, well, maybe I had some swelling of our growth of a fibroid that was talked about years ago, right? Um, so I just felt like, okay, but can you give me a diuretic that I can take? Because <laughs> little was I going to tell her that I was going to go away for like five days. Um, and she said, sure, but I don't want you to take it no more than five days. And I felt like, bingo, that's what's going to happen. You know, five days is perfect. So when I got home, I got the blood work done. Um, the scan that they wanted me to have, oh, I was going to do that. Our authorization needed to be done for that. So Monday, blood work done. Tuesday, the doctor's calling, very upset, very nervous, very concerned, because my um, all my vitals, all my tests were off the chart. 
my liver enzymes mainly. And by that time, my legs had swollen so big that I just felt like I couldn't walk well and my stomach had gotten really distended, okay? And, you know, I had to say to myself, Anita, you're a medical person. You know something's going on. You need to do something. So, of course, I needed to go get that test, right? Test had to be authorized. And that kept going back and forth. That was Tuesday. Now it's Thursday. And I'm having more trouble walking. I'm having some trouble breathing. And COVID is happening at this time. So, yes, I have to wear a mask. And I kind of attribute the mask to the breathing issue, okay? Um, So I took myself to the ER, walked in the ER, because, you know, and it was crazy because it was COVID time, the beginning of it. No one was in there. I was able to go right in. (laughs) That's just weird, right? They took me back, got my vitals, and then they bring in the EKG machine because my heart rate was 38. And, um... The nurse said, do you feel okay? I said, no, that's why I'm here. I'm not feeling well. Um, And then when she said, your heart rate is really low, I said, okay, well, according to the EKG machine with me seeing that, I know it has, something's going on. So they rushed me in, got me in the back, uh, got an IV in for me to uh, have a diuretic. And of course, I was going to make it down the hall where they told me the bathroom was. So they brought in a little porta potty, which I was very thankful for. Um, and it was crazy. It was crazy. And then before I knew it, it was a whole team of doctors rushing in. This is the crazy part. The team of doctors that met with me with the traumatic accident that I had was the same team of doctors for this situation. Right? And there was a, um, what are they called, intern, not an intern, but a, yeah, resident, resident. He says to me as he's leaning over, do you feel like you had a heart attack? I said, well, with all the tests that you just did, did I have a heart attack? I don't know, you know. And they were just amazed that I was able to sit up. I'm walking back and forth. I'm breathing. I, you know, everything seemed to be fine, but everything was failing. And then when they told me, your heart is failing. I, I just couldn't, I couldn't comprehend that because I'm thinking, well, if my heart is failing, I'm in heart failure? <laughs> you know, right? So I, I said it like that as they're whisking me away and I'm on the heart failure floor. Who does, who names a floor heart failure? Ladies, we have to do some kind of naming of these hospital floor arrangements and all that kind of stuff. Um, But that's what happened. I was there and they let me know, well, you're going to have to get a pacemaker. And I'm thinking, a pacemaker? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, But when they said, Anita, what we're seeing is a number of things. Now, back to the car accident. One of my doctors that came in, he said, you know what? Sometimes things happen to uncover something else. And he was right. And that's when they saw the sarcoid. And the same kind of scenario was being done this time. And each time they would say, we don't know how you made it. And I'm thinking, I don't know if that's bedside manner. I I, I don't think that should be said. Like, um, what do I do with that? Do I smile? Do I say, oh, you know, 
grab my pearls. What, what do I do with that? You know. Um, but the thought was, I don't know how I made it either, but God. You know, the Lord knows there, there was a purpose. There's still a purpose. And I have to look at it that there's a purpose. Just like um, it's just been so much. So I go and I do my follow-up exams and different things like that. And uh, in my follow-up, um, my cardiologist is going through and he says, so how's the pacemaker? How's that feeling? I said, no, I have an ICD because that's what they told me. They said the pacemaker, but because they said it seems like this sarcoid is everywhere. And it was. It was in my liver. It was in my lungs, my spleen, my heart, my lymph nodes. It was everywhere. And um, they let me know they'll probably give me an ICD, okay, which is a pacemaker with a defibrillator, just in case I needed that extra support. And so the cardiologist is telling me that you have a pacemaker. I said, no, 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 I have an ICD. He said, no, no, you have a pacemaker. We went back and forth a few times until he showed me. Anita, you have a pacemaker. I said, okay, well, what happened? You know, he said, well, I would have liked for you to have had the ICD. And I said, I would have liked for me to have the ICD too, since that's what's going to help me through this journey that I'm on, right? And he said, I'm not sure, but I'll find out. So when I visit with my heart failure doctor, yeah, there's such a thing, or such a person, or a department as heart failure department. He said, well, Anita, the reason why you have the pacemaker instead of the ICD is because your insurance rejected it. And I'm like, oh, wow. So what happens now? He says, oh, it'll be no problem. We'll just go in and replace <laughs> And that's when I giggled, probably real hard, you know, as I'm just feeling like, what? And I said to him, it's almost as if you think I have a zipper in my chest. You know, like, what's, what's going on? Uh, he said, well, you know, we'll wait, you know, several months, and then we'll go in and do the ICD. It's no problem. I said, no problem for you. You know, that seems to be an expert in doing this, but I have to go through it. And in me going through the first surgery, it was a lot. It was a lot. I had blood clots. I had um, a hematoma that was horrible. It, it was a number of things that took place that um, I wouldn't wish on anyone, you know? And I had gotten COVID during that time. And it's like, you know, um, but it was a lot. It was a lot. And in that lot, the Lord still met me. He still met me. Uh, so the ICD was installed after the pacemaker was removed, June 22nd. We're talking like, what is this, seven months? <laughs> seven good months, okay? And I was in and I was out that same day. Surprised, but, um, and that's when they discovered that, um, well, they didn't discover, I had to keep calling. I had, my body started to swell on this side mainly. And they kept saying to me, oh, because of surgery, your body would swell. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense because now I feel like the Michelin man. You know, now this side is swollen. Everything is swollen. Just roll me out of the door. And they said, well, it's because of the prednisone that I had just gotten on. Well, prednisone for the treatment of the cardiac sarcoidosis because that's what I have. And they also started me on a cancer type drug, with this, which is supposed to treat 
are calm, the sarcoid, right? Um, and with the swelling, I just felt like, no, something else is going on. And in me going for, you know, my checkup, uh, one of the resident, not the resident, but one of the doctor's assistants had said, hey, let me have you go over to the hospital, have some x-rays. So happened I had some blood clots up in the area where I had the surgery. And once I went back on my blood thinner, yeah, I have to be on the blood thinner too. Uh, once I went back on my blood thinner, you know, that was able to subside. So now um, we're, what, what month is this, February? <laughs> February, and all these things have taken place. So in that time of November all the way to now, I might have had about six or seven different kind of small procedures here and there. Um, one of the things that I would cry about or get upset about, because I go to four different doctors, a rheumatologist, a heart failure doctor, cardiologist, and then my regular doctor, is... I would say to them, well, I'm gaining so much weight, you know. Isn't that putting a lot of pressure on my heart? I know it's putting pressure on my heart. That makes sense, right? Uh, they said, yeah, it, it can, you know, but you know what you can do. You know what you should do. And you have already made those different steps and those provisions to do those things. But are you going to worry about the weight or living? Which, which one? I said, I'll take living for free. Just, <laughs> just give me that one. Um, and I stopped worrying about it, you know, um, because they said, Anita, you're not on oxygen. You're not in the hospital on a weekly basis. You're not dead. Um, and I became their case study because they didn't, they have not seen the kind of progress that I'm going through in someone that suffers with cardiac sarcoidosis. And it's called that, which is the rare form, because you will hear about sarcoid or sarcoidosis more so in the lungs. But when it attacks the heart, it attacks the heart. Lungs can kind of repair themselves. Your liver somewhat can repair itself. But the heart, you know, is something different because it is a strong muscle but now I have to have a device that keeps it pumping. And when it stops pumping, there's another part of that device that will shock it in order for it to continue to pump. But we all know the one that has, you know, my heart under control is the Lord, you know? So he's the one that's keeping this heart going. And that's where I'm so thankful and grateful. I'm so thankful and grateful. So, um, one of the things that you heard is that I'm retired. That really wasn't by choice. It really wasn't. It was something that started, it was something that happened uh, in the work environment where um, the Lord had to intervene and allow situations to come about to drive me out because I wasn't going anywhere. You know, I, I was in kindergarten. Five-year-olds and six-year-olds, they're the best people on the planet. They really are. And, uh, and I was loving it. I was loving it, absolutely loving it. But the thing was, in these months or in this time period with me going through what I was going through, those five-year-olds, six-year-olds would have been standing over me, jumping on top of me, diving, you know, 
<laughs> That's just what would have happened. And the Lord said, no, there, there's other things. There's something else that's going on. There's something else that needs to take place. So in that something else, I'm thankful and grateful that I'm here with all of you ladies tonight. So I thank you for uh, allowing this to happen. But this is the other thing I wanted to go through because there's so much in that first chapter. And I was like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but Lord, let me. Hopefully, if you didn't get a chance to read, read. Take your time through it. Dissect it. You know, because you're going to find yourself in every situation. And what I love about uh, Dr. Jeremiah is, yeah, Jeremiah, what I like is how he gave stories. You know, he shared stories because we relate to stories. It keeps us engaged. And so let me, let me just go with, um, I'm going to start back in chapter one, right? And what I love so much is how he used, and I have these glasses. My favorite ones are broken. Oh, so bear with me. If they slide off my face, just, just say, oh, help her, Lord. Um, Desmond Doss, okay, he was, he's, he's like a real subject person. I, I don't know if you ever saw the movie uh, Hackshaw Ridge or know about that particular thing, but... What happened with him is that he had a firm belief that he he was just convicted that he did not want to be involved in war, although he volunteered um, to be in uh, in the army. He didn't want to carry any kind of weapon. That was just not his thing. Okay, so with that, he was part. He was assigned as far as a medic. That was his job, and he was going to do that no matter what. And what I love about this, this is during um, the Battle of Okinawa. I don't know why I'm a war buff. Blame it on the husband. That's where it comes from. Well, it was a bloody battle. And what took place was that he is watching American bodies just being all over the place. He's watching this because he's not going to pick up the the rifle, the gun. He's not going to do that. But he's going to look for or this is his heart, he wants, he wants to look for a way to help his fellow troops, his fellow brothers. And what was so wonderful about this was that, and you'll, you'll read, if you read along with it or read later, is that they did not look at him as one of them. You know, they kind of pushed him out, they pushed him away. You know, but what he did, he left the ridge, and what he did, he saved uh, the lives of 75 men. And how he did it, he took, he went in there and made this makeshift gurney and lowered them off of this little cliff, one by one, as all kind of, you know, fires, everything going on around him. But he was able to do that. Incredible, incredible. And um, overcoming. He had to overcome a spiritual issue. How many of us go through spiritual issues? You know, where people ridicule us for some kind of reason, any kind of reason, any kind of reason, you know? But we still have to do it because it's in us. It's so deep in us. So that was so amazing. And when I started to to, um, continue to read, it talked about the overcomer's challenge. And the biggest challenge we we hear about and know about as far as Bible times is David and Goliath. Okay, and what I love about this 
is that um, <laughs> I think about Goliath, and I think he looked, he's explained or he's described in the Bible in such a way that you get a visual picture of him. You really do. You know, he's like at least, oh, I have notes here, wait a minute. He's at least 9'6", um, 9'9", nine, 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 you know, and not only is he tall, he's massive. You know, he's anywhere from 400 to 500 pounds, okay? And uh, the other thing, so his size, um, the sight of him, he's, he's clothed with all of this armory. He, he's just scary. This is scary. And not just is it scary, he has such a bellowing of what he's coming to say and do. And he comes day and night. How many of us have those kind of situations in our life? It is big, tall, over our head, totally over our head, right? It's massive, huge, and it's hitting us day and night. Crazy, right? Well, this was Goliath. This was Goliath. And what I love is how it starts to go right into the overcomer's character. So you get this little kid. He's a kid. He is a kid. You get this kid. But this kid has so much promise. The Lord spoke so much into him, just like the Lord has spoke so much into us. And we have to keep seeing that. We have to keep knowing that he has spoken something into our heart that's so sweet. You know, and I think about all that I had spoken into me and over me, but the Lord said, no, that's not so. You know, she's so much more than that. And that's what I had to grow up hold to. And that's what we have to grab hold to. So with that, uh, David, he was the youngest of Jesse's eight sons. So that meant he ran around, he did his little thing, you know, and the brothers had nothing to do with him because they were busy, right? You know, but David, he had a job. He had a special job. He tended the sheep. And in him doing that, he made sure he set up things in such a way that those sheep were taken care of. So I'm going to go, go through this with the conviction of David, and this is on page 7. Um, he was convicted with uh, wanting to defend Israel. You know, so he's hearing, you know, this banter back and forth. He, she, he's seeing this big, massive giant in this field that's as big as a football field, right? He's seeing, you know, the one side standing there not doing anything and wondering why, why is this happening? Why isn't somebody going to do something about this? So this is where his courage comes in. He has the courage to address this. And what I liked about it is... Um, in him addressing it, his older brother, Eliab, <laughs> had um, heard David like asking, well, you know, if someone, you know, addresses this challenge that this Goliath is, is, you know, as far as him saying what he's saying and someone goes ahead and kills and destroys him, what does that person get? You know, so he wanted to seek out, well, what's the reward? And, uh, his brother Eliab had found out, you know, like, why, why is he asking? Why is he asking about that? We have people like that, don't we? Isn't there people like that around us? Okay. 
Um, and what David did, he made sure that he put things straight. And he said, don't be angry at me. He basically said, isn't there, isn't there something more important for us to be thinking about? Yeah, there was something more important. Like, who's going to take this guy down? Uh, and that's when David's confidence is talked about. And he was confident in who he was in Christ. And that's what we have to be. We can't do anything within ourselves. It's, it's just not there. We, we don't have it. It doesn't work. And when we try, it, we fail. We fail miserably, right? You know, but it's not for us to do that. It's not for us at all. And then the overcomer's conquest. This is page nine. Um, and good old David with his sling. We hear that story, you know. But he wasn't just a boy with a sling. He had skill behind him. He used that, that sling to guard over the sheep, to make sure that if there was a bear that came along, a lion, because that was some of his victories, he was able to go ahead and do what was needed in order to protect what was his, theirs. Right? That's what he did. And so he had a certain strategy in doing what he did. And not only did he have a strategy, he also had a perfect shot. And most of us, we, we think that we don't, we're not seen. We don't have a time. The, what is the Lord going to do with us? No, everybody has their shot. You know, and you just have to wait for that particular shot of when he's going to use you and what he's going to do. But we don't dictate when that happens. Okay, we, we don't. But we just have to be willing. So as I was going through this, um, there were so many different things that um, stuck out. Like even when we, when the next thing, it refused to be discouraged by your friends. You know those people that we hold close to us that we still call friends, although they're not with us. <laughs> they're not. They're not on our side at all. Most of all, they're well. It's just that they're stuck at a certain place. Okay. They're usually friends, they're usually family, they're usually close in some kind of way. And they can't push out a branch out because that's not where they are. They don't see that for themselves. So because they can't see it for themselves, they can't see it for you. You know, so no offense. You know, they're still friends or friendly. It's just that they can't see it. And because they can't see it, because of their limiting beliefs, they cannot believe it for you. But you still have to believe it for yourself because the Lord said so. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. So the Lord said so. Then reinforcing your focus on God. That is so important. Um, I think about, uh, so this is, uh, it tells a little story about Reese Kaufman. There's so many little stories here. And it talks about how... Um, as far as depression, that's something that sticks off the page. And it sticks off the page for me because back in that time of, uh, let's see, what's it? It was February, February, um, before I, I put in my papers to retire. Uh, I was, I had to meet with my doctor. There were so many things going on. And I couldn't make sense of it. Um, I couldn't explain to my family that I felt anxiety, that I felt depression, 
that um, I was overwhelmed. You know, because, Anita, you have it all together, mm. right? How many of us are those all-together people? A lot of us are. We're mamas. We're women. We're, you know, we do things. But I was suffering with anxiety and depression, and it can be crippling. And it was so crippling that I found myself um, having to go through therapy where it was a group session for four days a week, and it was a number of weeks until they released me, four days a week and two and a half hours a day. For, yeah, it was well. But the other option <laughs> was for me to really say how I was feeling, and I would have been hospitalized. Like, I knew enough not to say, oh, I can't say that. Um, but that's where I was. That's where I was. And because of that happening, there was no way that I was going to go to my job with those five-year-olds. That's not going to happen. So I had to take off from work. Um, and that was crushing within itself. See, because now it's taken me out of the pattern of what I was used to or where I felt there was fulfillment, you know, and I felt that I was appreciated until I was not. Because during that time, going through those sessions and realizing, wait a minute, why am I putting up with that? Why am I putting myself in that situation, and I'm going to go back to that. You know, it wasn't the five-year-olds. They were great. It was all the other stuff. And it was March 2020. COVID was like, boom, right? And I put in my retirement papers. <laughs> um, and that was the best feeling ever. It really was. Was I ready and set for retirement? No, absolutely not. But I was ready and I was set for retirement because the Lord had something else for me to do and something else that, you know, sometimes we have to give up something in order to get something else. And that's what he started to do. And that's what you see in this story, this little story that's on page 14 and, and 15. Please, please, please go back, read through those um, because they are amazing uh, because um, it made it so real. It made it very real. Uh, reflect on your previous victories. That's what we all must do. Did we all wake up this morning and we put our clothes on? Thank the Lord you did, right? That's a victory. For some people, that's a victory. You know, you washed your face. You may have put on a little makeup. You combed your hair. You brushed your teeth. You walked out the door. Victories. You know, so if that has to be your little victory for now, allow it to be. And look at those things that happen in your life and take it and start praising the Lord for it. Because not everybody has that. Not everybody is fortunate enough to walk in those things or do those things or have those things. Okay? So that was something else that I looked at. And then the other thing is journal. Write things down. This is on page 17. Um, when you write when you write down what God has done for you in the past, you are preparing yourself to believe him in the future because you can refer back to those things. Or the Lord will quickly bring it back to your remembrance. Okay? So write it down because it becomes a document. It's so important to do. And then it goes on with run towards your problems, not away from them. How many of us run the other way? <laughs> it's easy. It's so easy to do. Because who wants to face a giant? Who? Please tell me. 
No one. No one. See, but it's not you that's facing that giant. It's the power within you that faced that giant. And the power within you is Jesus. So that's what we have to look at. We're taking Jesus with us and facing whatever problem it might be. Because there's a lot of problems. Family problems, workplace problems, financial problems. And we can go on and on. Right? There's so many of them. You run towards it. And running towards the problem, embrace them or confront them. Don't postpone them, ignore them, or try to work around them. Instead, face them head on and deal with them. Because if you don't deal with it, it's just going gonna to be there tomorrow, later on. It's, it's going to be there. You know, you face that problem. There was, um, and this was an incredible story, and I shared this with my husband. Um, remember for whom you are fighting. Okay, and sometimes we look at a fight as this, and I'm sorry, I, I box, I do, I love it. Uh, we look at a fight as we get into our stance, right? We're ready to hurt somebody. We're, we're going to do it, even if we push them down. We're going to, we're going to inflict some kind of pain. But not always is the fight like that. You know, the fight can just be you standing your ground. So this story was incredible. Please, please read it. But it's with uh, W. Johnson Roundtree. And she was the first black member of the women's bar. She took on a case of this gentleman. His name is Ray Crump Jr. And she charged him a dollar to represent him. Okay. And in that, there were so many people that came up against this case because it was a social light. We know social lights, right? We, it was a social light that was murdered um, in her walk. Uh, she was murdered. And they found this guy and they said he did it. And everybody came and witnessed and said, oh, he did it. And he didn't. You know, and I, there was something that she believed in him, but mainly she was, she was a Christian. And she was going to hold the law of the Lord and know that he is going to fight no matter how many people came up against in some kind of way, you know, and everything went well, things went well. And what I liked uh, here is, um, <laughs> it goes in on chapter I mean, I'm sorry, page 20. What a difference it would make if we faced our challenges like David did. If we said, Lord, for, let me do these. <laughs> Lord, for your honor and glory, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to honor you and face my battles in the power of your name. What if we said that? What if we said it? Now, in saying it, what if we do it? What if we just do it? Um, because that's what's going to happen. The Lord's going to shine through. He's going to come through. He's not going to leave us, you know, just standing there. You know, he's not going to do it. Uh, and, and that was so, um, it was so mighty for me because of the things that I went through that I was able to see him in the battle. But um, there's so many, so much more here, so much more. But going into chapter two, that was the one that said, okay, Anita, you're overcoming weakness with strength. I'm like, you don't understand. My heart is so weak. It's so weak that they put a device in there to keep it going. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> so I thought it was laughable. Um, but sometimes we, we, we will say those things, and that's where you know that you have the strength of the Lord to do it. Because I don't have any strength in myself. I don't. You know, I can't even keep my heart beating. The Lord does that for all of us, doesn't he? Yeah, he does it for all of us. So that's that was the biggest thing where I was able to say, okay, I'm going to grab hold of this, this strength thing. And it gave us another example of this Canadian speed skater, Denny Morrison. And he went through an incredible thing where uh, he was Olympic, you know, he won so many different medals, and then he got into an accident. I'm like, ooh, I got into an accident, right? He got into an accident, and he had this titanium leg. But he worked through it, because he's going to go ahead and he's going to compete again, he's going to win another Olympic medal, that's what he's going to do. And then in him pushing his body, the way he was pushing his body, he had a stroke, Okay. That's hard to come it come through. But although that that happened to him, it didn't keep him from doing what was the prize for him. You know, so he still continued to work and compete and he did participate in the Olympics. Now did he place medal like he did before? No. But the thing is, he still did it. He didn't give up. And that's, that's us. We have to still do it and not give up because we're going to still be a lot further than where we were, you know? And someone's going to see, wow, that had to be the Lord because there's no way, there's no way that could be that person, you know? So that goes into the overcomer strength. Um, and I think about this with there's marital and moral weakness. See, I keep forgetting these things. Financial and physical weakness, I'm on page 22. Parental and job-related weakness. But the most debilitating weakness of all is the weakness in your spiritual life, in your walk with God. We have to see that and know that because that next paragraph says suffering, challenges, and hardships are universal. They happen to everybody at every place and stage in life, it happens to everyone. The only difference is what we do with it. The only difference is where our spiritual walk is and how we relate to the Lord concerning it and how we allow him to relate to us about it. That's the difference. That's definitely the difference. So, um, and, and this is where I was just loving this chapter, going into some other things here. It talks about Paul and his uh, final appeal to the Ephesians. Oh, so good. Um, and then giving us some spiritual perspectives on things and how we're not fighting, um, we're not fighting for victory. But, hmm, why don't I use these? But from victory. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. That means the Lord has already done the victorious thing. Okay? He's not looking for us to do it. He's, he's already done it. He just wants us to walk in what he's done. That's it. Simple, right? Simple. Why do we make it hard? Mm, I don't know. So the biggest thing was uh, here it talks about, let me see how many. It talks about standing strong. Oh, this is my favorite. And I have my daughter here. She's a buff. Um, <laughs> It's uh, the fellowship of the ring, okay? 
We all know that classic um, part, what are they called? It's a, a Balrog, that big de demonic kind of thing that's chasing Gandalf. You know, he shoes everybody over this, this bridge, and there's all this fire below. And Fellowship of the Ring people, where are you? <laughs> okay. So he goes across, and he is going to fight this big, massive ball of fire, right? And he stands there, right? Arms up. And what does he say? You shall not pass. You shall not pass. And that's what we have to do with the enemies and the ways of, of the enemy and these things that start to stir up in our hearts and those things that keep us so down. We have to speak to that thing and say, nope, you have no place here. You shall not pass. And go with it. Did he fight that thing? Did he, Annie? No, not really. He didn't have to. Could he have? He was Gandalf the Grey. Could he have? Yeah, but he didn't. He didn't. And we don't have to because the Lord has already fought the battle for us. He's already fought it for us. So I, I just felt like, ah, I know this. Okay. <laughs> and that's where I love how he made it so real. Um, so that was some things. And then going, continuing, finding the strength you need. This is important. We have to find what we need. And sometimes in finding what we need, we have to find it with the things we know, like um, reading our word, right? Praising and singing, right? Fellowshipping, right? Inspirational readings. These are the things that we know. That's where we're going to find that strength. Because just our normal physical frame, it's weak. And as the years go, I don't care how much you paint it and dress it and doctor it up, it, it weakens out. It's going to weaken out, <laughs> okay? But the Lord makes you strong when you hold on to those various things that speak to your spirit and not your flesh. So I, I thought that was so, so good. So what I would like you to do even tonight, find a particular song that's your song. I don't care what it is. Find it. You know, if you're country person, find your song, get it, download it some kind of way, write it down, tape it, whatever you have to do that when you hit that sad place, that discouraging place, that place where oh, I can't do it anymore, Lord help, put that song on. Get that song on because it'll start to speak to your spirit man and just energize you in the way that the Lord wants you to be energized because that's what he wants. He wants that praise to come out from you because he's already put it in you, right? He just wants it to come out. And that's what brings that strength because it's in our weakness that we become strong. And I love that. God of Israel, I'm on 28. God of Israel is he who gives strength and power to his people. Blessed be God. And trust in the Lord forever. And that's, I'm sorry, that's Psalm 68:35. Trust in the Lord forever, for in the Lord is everlasting strength. That's Isaiah 26, 4. And then we think about um, if God is your strength, and this is the next paragraph. If God is your strength, and yet within within you there is weakness, what do you do? 
Just believing what the Bible says about the might and power of God doesn't overcome weakness. Read that to yourself again. It doesn't overpower, it doesn't overcome weakness. Okay. The Apostle James reminds us that even the demons believe and they tremble. That's James 2 19. So there's something more. We have to have his word. We have to look to him. Um, there's something more as far as just believing. We have to know that he's going to strengthen us by using what he says. And that's where it comes with the next little um, task. We download God's strength from his word. We have to use his word because it's his word that drives all these other things out. So it find a chapter, like here it talks about um, uh, this person, Tori. His name is R.A. Tori. Um, he was told to read Second Peter. Start reading it, memorize it, keep reading it, reading it five, six times. Okay? Find something. Find a particular chapter, a particular book, a particular verse, and just keep reading it. And what will happen is that when you hit that time, it'll start speaking to you. You know? It'll become a reminder for you. And it'll become so precious. Um, here it talks about on page 29, uh, towards the bottom, the psalm, the psalmist wrote, my soul melts from heaviness, strengthen me according to your word. And that's coming from Psalm 119, 28. But how do we open our hearts for God to do this? How do we do that? Well, we, we're going to have to, uh, decompress a little bit. We're going to have to turn off the TV, turn down the music, maybe, um, turn off our phone, turn off our phone, um, do some temporary things where we can get in tune to what he may need us to do, uh, where we really um, put ourselves aside, find a quiet place, and really kind of rest in him and allow him to minister to us. And then there was uh, the next one, and this is 31. We download God's strength from worship, and I talked about that. Find a song. We download God's strength by waiting. How many of us can wait? <laughs> Everything is so instant, right? Yeah, we have a microwave. We microwave stuff. We, now we air fry everything. Like, it's instant, right? It gets nice and crispy. You know. No, we have to wait. There's some things that we have to really wait on. And um, and waiting, it says, wait on the Lord and be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And that's Psalm 27, 14, and that's on page 33. And it tells you how to wait. Get quiet, you pray, and then it goes into we download God's strength through weakness. Ugh. Who wants to be weak? Who wants that one? Who wants that pill? Who wants the weak pill? Who wants that one? Nobody. Nobody. But everybody's going to go through that. Everybody is going to have some time that there's some weakness there. But that's where we come together, like these kind of times where we can strengthen each other. And we strengthen each other in his word. We strengthen each other through fellowship and encouragement. It's so important for us to do that. Uh, and... Then turn your weakness into his strength. 
And that's what I had to do. And that's what you're going to do. I know it. You're going to start turning those weak times, those weak feelings, those weak things into the strength of the Lord. Because through that weakness, he's going to make you strong. He's going to make you strong. Even if it's what you're going through, you strengthening someone else. That's amazing. And what I'm going to finish up with, there's a few little things. Um, As an overcomer, your strength is in God, not yourself. Stopping the concert of your life is not an option when you feel weak or overwhelmed. But if you diligently open your heart to the Lord and ask for his strength, he will fill you with it. And in that way, through your faith, the Lord will use your weakness to make you strong. And that last verse on that page says, be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. All you who hope in the Lord. Psalm 31, 24. And um, that's, that's some of the things that I wanted to share. There's so many great stories that I saw there uh, in those two chapters. And then I went to this little book, and I think all of us had gotten this little um, excerpt, this little book. And one of the things that, um, because the promise that we have, it says we are promised strength. So that is a promise, and it's contagious, and we can hold on to it. And it's for today. (laughs) I love it. It's contagious, and it's for today. And on page six, there's a little prayer, and I wanted to pray this with you. Heavenly Father, I am aware that in my own resources, I have no strength. I am weak, yet I I am not afraid because you are strong. I declare my belief in your word. I proclaim the truth that I can do all things through Christ because he strengthens me. I accept your promise to overcome my weakness with your incalculable, yeah, yeah, that's what it is, strength. And I praise you for all you will accomplish in and through my life. Thank you, Father, for the gift of strength. Amen. So that's that's our prayer. He gave, that's a, it's a gift. He gave it to us. And are we going to just leave it there? No. Is he going to take it back? No. It's ours. It's ours to keep. So uh, ladies, be encouraged. And I thank you.